It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to the Buckeye Breakdown Podcast, where Buckeyes now continues to evaluate what this 2021 season could look like, should look like, hopefully will look like for the Ohio State Buckeyes. We are excited that kickoff now is just about two days away, just over 48 hours, in fact. And uh, we've got a fun podcast planned for you this afternoon. Along with Brett Hiltbrand, I'm Brendan Gulick. Brett, with a, a game on Thursday, uh, that means today is Tuesday, but it's really Thursday, if that makes any sense at all, because usually we're operating on a Saturday schedule. Uh, so typically what I think we're going to do here a, a couple days out is kind of take a deep dive look at, at some of the numbers and stats leading up to the game. Uh, try to identify some trends we think could be, you know, a, a, an emphasis at a minimum uh, and and try to give people a, a little bit better idea of things they can look for when they're getting ready to watch a game. Yeah, week one, and we're going very meta here with the timeline. So bear with us a little bit as we try and uh, kind of mess a little bit with kind of the overall routine because, you know, we're starting off and it's going to be totally different than the, pretty much the rest of the season, which is fantastic. And if you have questions along the way, please uh, drop comments either on our YouTube channel. If you're watching this live, uh, we also stream live on our, our Twitter and Facebook platforms. Um, but there's lots of different ways to consume our content and uh, certainly BuckeyesNow.com, the home for everything you want to see that uh, is written about Ohio State. Uh, and beyond that, if you're listening after the fact, this is uh, a podcast that's posted in lots of different places as well. So just know you can interact with us live if that's something you're interested in doing. In the meantime, Brett, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Ohio State offense against Minnesota's defense. Let's start there. Buckeye offense obviously has a, a, a ridiculous amount of talent and a lot of hype coming into the season. Uh, a good bit of that surrounds C.J. Stroud. Um, but an awful lot of that, I think, is, a, is about the wide receiving core, uh, the depth at running back, the strength of this offensive line. Um Let's talk about some of these numbers here from from at least where the Buckeyes were last year. And and by the way, let's say caveat up front, you know, the, the statistics we're using are from last year because that's all we've got. Um, but hopefully it can at least be a, a, a good starting point, a good jumping off point of maybe where these teams had their focus a bit during the offseason to try and address certain areas or strengthen certain areas within the team. I think that's a fair place to at least start before the opener. You know, it, it was an offense last year that was one of the most efficient offenses in the country. Um, they obviously ran the ball well, but I think last year's team had a lot of balance. You know, Justin Fields could kind of move it wherever he wanted uh, through the air. But I think Ohio State did a great job of, of not being too predictable last year between the, the run and the pass. Um, and frankly, Minnesota's defense last year really struggled. I, I think, uh, you know, their defensive line was hammered by some COVID-related issues. Um, that was obviously pretty frustrating for them. They couldn't really get in much of a rhythm, but man, the, the first two games of the year were pretty ugly. I mean, they gave up 570 rushing yards and eight touchdowns in the first two games. Uh, and while they got a little bit better as the season went along, overall, not particularly impressive. So, yeah. um, especially I remember that Maryland game where I believe they lost in overtime, uh, to a Maryland team that was 
not great. And yeah. just on how 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 their defense looked at looked you know kind of like they were at sixes and sevens a little bit um, in in very specific like personnel situations that that Maryland was trotting out there. They had no answers. Uh, and they, there was nobody that could give it to them from the coaching staff, too. So um, some growing pains a year ago, which I think in a lot of ways you can make the argument that it actually helps them, you know, that they went through that last year. Coming into this year, especially how many with how many guys they have coming back, uh, starters they have coming back this season. Offensively, I think C.J. Strada has high expectations, but there is an element of you got to go out there and do it. Uh, and so I, I don't want to get – too carried away with what we're expecting to see from him. But I think if, if we maybe transition a bit here to the, the passing side, um, it's, it's fair to point out that Ohio state's receiving core is, if not the best in the country, it's certainly in that conversation. Uh, and so he's got a lot of weapons around him. Will he put up 260 passing yards per game? We don't know. We know Ryan day has an offense that likes to stretch the field, we know they typically have uh, protections that, you know, give the quarterback time to throw. Um, you know, a lot of times the, the Buckeyes last year had six or seven, you know, in protection. And when Fields had time to find a really talented route runner, whomever it was, uh, open, he eventually would find somebody open. Um, I think there, you know, the, the Indiana game jumps out to me. As, as the game where, you know, defensively the Hoosiers tried to bring more pressure than the Buckeyes could block, and for a while it was pretty frustrating. Um, I remember the running backs in that game as involved in pass protection as any game that I can remember in, in recent memory for the Buckeyes. So, you know, the passing numbers last year were obviously really good. Um, big number that jumps off the page here to me, Minnesota's defense managed only eight sacks in seven games last year not good enough. Um, they, they've got to find a way to be better in that regard. And not good enough too, when you consider who they played and how bad some of those teams were too. Right. Um, I, I think the big one for me, if you're looking at the Ohio state side of this is the yards per attempt and, and how that, that 9.3 number is, is pretty darn good. And that's indicative of a couple of things. One that's indicative of the, the, when we talk about, mismatches and what Ryan Day is trying to achieve with both play calls pre-snap and then that check to the sideline to then either confirm or change that original play call. And a lot of times when they, if you see a team change that more often than not, it has everything to do with the personnel of, uh, of the defense that's in at that time and really less so about how they line up. And I thought Ohio state did a really great job of exploiting kind of that middle tier, middle part of the field if there were extra linebackers on the field and then either trying to go, go up over the top or underneath or even a running play if if teams put an extra defensive back on the field. I think this season with what they're going to try and ask of C.J. Stroud, you're going to see two things come down right away. I think the yards per attempt number will not be anywhere close to 9.3 at the end of the season. I think that's fair. And I think the yards per game as well will probably come down just simply because they're not trying to ask him to go out and throw that much that often that earlier early in the season. Now, I do think as, as the season progresses, perhaps you might see his usage go up. The, the vertical passing attempts might go up as well. But I think they're going to try and give him, kind of spoon feed him a little bit 
early on and they know that you don't necessarily get the same. We talked about this the last time we were, we were, uh, you know, here on the air, they, you don't get maybe the same type of warm up that you would get in a traditional schedule, uh, with some, you know, some non two non-conference cupcakes, so to speak, that you would traditionally see until that third game, which is usually kind of the premier non-conference game of the season. That doesn't happen. You get a big 10 opponent opponent who like it or not is, you know, is in a different tier than probably who you would normally be scheduling. So, he has to kind of he has to get it right a lot more than maybe perhaps guys in the past have had have had to. But you know, I, I think Ryan Day and the coaching staff trust him. But I also think they're going to do their due diligence, due diligence, and, and making sure there there's some you know uh, high probability completions uh, that are out there, and then really trying to build his confidence. But that yards per attempt will definitely go down. And beyond that, we'll kind of move to the rushing side here. I, I think the Buckeyes have a chance. To, to really try to establish a run early in the game. Um, they, they've made it very clear they love their depth uh, and their their overall ability at running back. Tony Alford, Ryan Day, Kevin Wilson all think that, you know, the the each one of those guys in the backfield brings something a little bit different. Um, I, I have a hunch you're going to see at least Master Teague, Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson uh, on Thursday, and you may even see Marcus Crowley depending on on how the game goes. Um, there, there were 127 schools that played FBS football last year. Minnesota was 123rd in tackles for loss. They were 124th in yards per carry allowed. And mm-hmm. from that previous, uh, previous standpoint there in, in sacks, they were 118th. They had a miserable time generating any sort of, of, of pressure on the quarterback and, and they were dominated on the line of scrimmage repeatedly, um, with a veteran, big offensive line for the Buckeyes. I just, I'm hard pressed to believe that Minnesota is going to be able to come out and control the line of scrimmage. And I think that's going to take a lot of pressure off of CJ Stroud. Even if it's not some big gaudy rushing day from any one guy in particular, I just get the impression this could be a day the Buckeyes try to establish the run early uh, and can move the ball down the field. I would not be shocked that the within that first series, maybe even like the first like two or three plays where you'll see maybe Ryan Day try and take a shot early because I think they know that I think that they, they would expect Minnesota to try and come in and load the box and try and do that, like, quote unquote, establish the run early because they know how much uh, talent exists on that at that line of scrimmage. And and also the inexperience of quarterback. So I would not be shocked if you see the OSU go downfield right away. But I, I think the overall kind of sentiment or game plan those first two three series will be to try and score, uh, score and control the clock at the same time. So I think you're absolutely right that you'll you'll see a lot of usage from the running backs, uh, you know, early on especially. But I also think throughout the entire season, it'll be maybe maybe a little bit more of a focal point than seasons past. There are, uh, in, in fairness, there are three grad transfers that have made their way onto the defense for Minnesota. Uh, and while the Gophers don't release a depth chart, I have a really hard time seeing these three guys not factoring in. If they're not starting, they're certainly going to play. Uh, Jack Gibbons, a linebacker, played four years at the FCS level with Abilene Christian, um, 258 total tackles, 23 tackles for loss, had seven sacks and five interceptions. Realize it's the FCS level, but you're talking about a guy that's played a lot of college football, and for a group that needs, you know, somebody to step up, he's got some experience. I, I would think Gibbons is going to see uh, 
see some time. Uh, defensive lineman Val Martin spent a couple years at Iowa Western Community College. He comes to Minnesota after he had also played at North Carolina State. Um, so probably going to see him on the defensive line. Uh, and a name that the Buckeyes certainly uh, will at least somewhat recognize, even if you're not intimately familiar with him, um, Niles Pinckney, who played for uh, Clemson and won a couple national championships uh, in his five-year stretch with the Clemson Tigers. Um, you're going to start seeing some guys that have been around college football for a long time because of that extra COVID year, in addition to you know mm -hmm. maybe having a grad transfer or a redshirt somewhere along the way. Um, a sixth-year player is not out of the question. Um, so, you know, th there's a couple guys I think Minnesota is hoping can can boost them a little bit, but um, it's my, my general belief that the Buckeyes are going to probably wear them down throughout the course of the game. And I, and I think that is, is indicative of what we're going to see from Ohio State, not just in this game, but also I think the primary theme as the season progresses. It's certainly what they're trying to do, given both the experience and size and physicality uh, that the offensive line has this season. Any other thoughts here? Uh, maybe we talk about the Minnesota secondary, you know, and, and their youth and inexperience. I mean, ever since uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. a couple years ago played in that secondary, they really haven't had a, a lockdown guy. And I, I just tend to think that Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are going to kind of find their way. I, yeah, I think they'll, it'll, it'll be somewhat generic kind of, you know, cover three, uh, you know, late bail cover four, um, you know, kind of defense from Minnesota. But I think that presents its own challenge because then you're, excuse me, trying to match up with, you know, hat on a hat, so to speak, uh, you know, run defense a little bit. So, uh, you know, I, I, well, what will be a common theme that we'll be talking about a lot is who do you stop, so to speak, when it comes to the Ohio State offense? They present a lot of problems. They present a lot of challenges, and, and it's something that we're going to talk about a lot. Cheryl, uh, Cheryl's jumping in here and wants to know, will it be 60% run and 40% pass? I think that's probably a fair thought. Um, I would be surprised if it were 50-50. I, I, you know, based off of what Ryan Day said yesterday where, you know, he was basically asked point blank, do you have plans to play a second quarterback on Thursday if for no other reason, just to give another guy some valuable game experience and reps, um, because that's been a, a huge focal point for them. And Coach Day said no. He, he essentially came straight out and without saying the words that this is CJ's team, the indication was, you know, we, we are moving forward with CJ tomorrow, or I guess on Thursday. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then he was asked if he had a number two quarterback named, and he said no. Now, I'm less likely to believe that. I think perhaps he has some indication of who would be a number two going into the game if if something happened and CJ had to come out. Um, I think to me that's more trying to foster some of the competition and you know keep Kyle McCord and and uh, Jack Miller and maybe even Quinn Ewers engaged in uh, you know in that battle. Um, I I don't really see a situation where Quinn gets in a game, uh, even though he's obviously been in the news here as. Um, a fairly wealthy young man. <laughs> he just yeah. signed a $1.4 million uh, deal today with uh, an autographing company. Um, you know, look, I, I think the Buckeyes can take some pressure off of CJ by trying to run the football effectively. That's, that has been a 
a staple part of this offense for a while is establishing the run, controlling the line of scrimmage. That's Big Ten football. You know, the, the Buckeyes have some great athletes. They like to stretch the field. Um, but I, I think if you can establish a run here week one and just figure out a way to win on the road in conference and come home with with a victory, uh, I think the Buckeyes would be pretty happy with that. Yeah, to go to go back to answer the question a year ago, Ohio State, 345 rushing attempts, 200 and, 225 passing attempts. That's about 65-35 run-to-pass ratio there. So to, to think it might be 60-40 – is would indicate that they're actually going to throw more with CJ Stroud than Justin Fields a year ago. So I think it's probably edging closer to 65, 35 with what we saw last year, maybe even edging up into the high sixties, low seventies, as far as run percentage goes throughout the season. Thomas Huggins checks in and says, hello. Thanks for, uh, thanks for hopping on as well. We appreciate that. Uh, let's flip over to the defensive side now for Ohio State. Buckeye defense against Minnesota's offense. Um, I think Minnesota's offense has a chance to be pretty decent. You know, th- this team two years ago was good. I mean, they, they were very good. Um, and they still have a lot of pieces coming back f- for this upcoming season that were part of a team, you know, two years ago that was a, a top 15 team in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the big things that stand out, one, they have the most experienced offensive line in college football. They have more combined games played than any other offensive line in the country. And I believe, depending on who they start, I believe they are also the most experienced starting offensive line. Um, in addition to that, they're huge. I mean, really, really big. And that's not even just uh, pointing to – a guy that's even bigger than Dewan Jones that's going to play tackle and Daniel Fa'alele from uh, Australia. He's like 380 pounds or something and 6'9". I mean, he's uh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, they've got a great running back in, in Mo Ibrahim. Um, the guy last year had a really good season. He comes into Thursday's game on a program record, eight consecutive 100-yard rushing performances. I have to think that they're going to try to establish him. Tanner Morgan's had a good run. He's 18-8 and eight as a starting quarterback. Um, obviously, last year wasn't terrific. Two years ago, in a regular, full, normal-looking season, he threw 30 touchdowns, just seven interceptions. Last year, it was 7-7. Seven and seven. Um, So he, he did not perform last year nearly as well, but he's obviously got some ability and talent. And at the receiver position, that's probably their big question mark. Uh, Chris Ottman Bell, it sounds like, is not officially ruled um, healthy enough to play yet. He might be able to play, um, but all the reports I'm reading out of Minnesota are essentially uh, he's he's gone from week to week to day to day to we'll see. Um, you know, he'd be their best opper, uh, their their best option at wide receiver. They don't have a lot of proven receivers beyond that, so I'd be really surprised if Minnesota doesn't try to come out and establish the run early. I'm just not sure if they're going to be able to do it. Yeah. And I think, I think in, in a lot of ways, this is a good example of kind of what we've been talking about over the last several weeks when we're discussing position battles at both the defensive line and at linebacker at Ohio state and kind of how, how the, the guys who win those jobs really kind of then pay off, you know, all that hard work when it comes to, you know, playing in the game. Um, 
you know, I, I think, I think in a lot of ways, so to, to me is a little bit of an enigma football wise in the big 10. And, and I don't know if that's, you know, in part because of, you know, their coach and, and his, you know, obviously galactic sized kind of, uh, personality. Um, that was me being kind, uh, that, you know, I, I wonder a little bit about like, what does the actual football look like? You know what I'm saying? And, and I think if you haven't been paying attention in, in a very specific way to big 10 football over the last couple of years, you know, you just kind of assume that, you know, it's just, it's Minnesota football and it's average at best. And, you know, you, you, you hope to score a major upset every like three to five years. I think that what, what is actually the, the case is that they, they were trending in a good way. And then, they were hit especially hard by all of the restrictions and COVID and everything last year. And in in a lot of ways, I think they paid a bigger price than maybe other teams in the big 10 did both uh, with success on the field, but also I think with development. So knowing or even projecting kind of what we're going to see from this team is a little, feels a little bit um, like a, like a guess on our part. I think you have to kind of, you, I think you, in a lot of ways, you almost have to lean into what the potential is and, and what, what the potential could be for that program. And I think personnel wise, outside of some of those questions at wide receiver, this is a team that has potential to be pretty good on paper, right? Things look like they are stacked in their favor to be competitive at the very least, if not very competitive in big 10 play. So um, for me, this is more about, uh, you know, in it because we kind of don't really know what you're going to get from the Gophers. It's more about okay, uh, you know, some guys on on the OSU defensive line who haven't played a ton. It's time for you to step up. New linebacker group, time to step up. DBs were maybe the worst defensive back group in the entire country. Well, now it's time to kind of flip that script. And you know what? You have a team uh, in in front of you here to be able to try and do that. Uh, last year, you know, Minnesota uh, offensively at times looked good. Um, it was flashes, their, right? Like yeah. that's kind of what we're talking about. The flashes of potential here that that are are indicators of them taking a pretty big step from what they have been traditionally to what they're you know kind of this new regime that's existed the last couple of seasons. I spoke yesterday and and posted the podcast with Gopher Illustrated uh, publisher Ryan Burns. Does a really really nice job. He's got some great content on their website. If you're interested in learning more about Minnesota this week. Um, and, you know, I, I asked him a little bit about the future of the program and, and how they felt about recruiting um, because this is now the fifth year for P.J. Fleck and you're talking about how, how big his personality is. Um, I, I agree. I, he's one of the more fun coaches to watch across the conference. You know, Ohio State fans don't get to see him a ton because the Buckeyes and Gophers don't play each other every year. Um, in fact, they've only played a, a couple of times in the last decade now. But um, – I don't know. I think he's got a pretty good thing going on up there. And, and Ryan, uh, Ryan, Ryan Burns, excuse me, yesterday, um, you know, basically said that they're, they're recruiting about as well as they ever have mm-hmm. during his tenure. You know, they're never going to have a recruiting class like Ohio State's, but they could certainly be, you know, in the top 30 in the country if they recruit well enough. Uh, and their big challenge is trying to find ways to consistently compete with the likes of Wisconsin and Northwestern and Iowa yeah. uh, in the Western division. And, you know, a couple of years ago, they had a really good chance to go to the big 10 title game, but they 
they really didn't play a very good game at all against Wisconsin in, in that uh, last game of the regular season. And, you know, then Wisconsin went on to, to lose to the Buckeyes uh, in Indianapolis. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, they're, they're not that far away from being pretty good. And this is this is this is a great example of to kind of expand the conversation a little bit from what we were talking about the last time with the future of Michigan football and and, and what uh, a down another like disastrous year for that program, uh, what that could mean to, for them long term. Right. And so when we talk about recruiting specific to Minnesota, OK, and, and how they kind of compare or juxtapose a little bit with Ohio State, right? The, the, these two programs are not necessarily going after the same group of guys, the same group of high school players, right? So we're talking a little bit about two different tiers. But the thing is that while the gap in those tiers is huge, and we, you know, you can find, you know, plenty of, of reading material out there on the interwebs as far as the four and five star guys and what, what, those rankings mean for your overall long-term success as far as both stacking recruiting classes and also on-field success. But despite the gap between kind of these tiers being huge, you only have to necessarily put it together for four quarters once every so often. And to me, like there, there are several games that we can talk about with Ohio state losing to inferior teams because those teams put together on a night that Ohio state happened to not uh, do so. And so in, when, if you take all of that and kind of keep that in mind, when we talk about Michigan and what could happen if Michigan, you know, POOs the bed here again this season, that means in theory that there is now a power void, a power vacuum in the Big Ten recruiting with, with kids that would have normally gone to Michigan or would have been, put, you know, interested in Michigan, all of a sudden not. And now there's a void to be filled. And there is no other guy in the entire Big Ten capable of filling that than P.J. Fleck in Minnesota. So they are absolutely rooting for Michigan and that ship to sink entirely because the after effects, the downstream effects of that, most of those kids probably go into programs like Minnesota. So it it is absolutely possible that this is a a, a trending upward program and 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 due in large part to, to what P.J. has done. And you can, you know, you can talk all about the, you know, the personality and the row the boat and everything and whether people are actually into that. I think it's a little snake oil salesman for me. That's just a personal opinion. Um, but like it works, right? Like he's had success every year. Yeah, I mean, some people love part. that. Some and people, people dig that. that. I, people in football circles love that stuff. And so it's it's absolutely huge. And I think you have to give credit to where, you know, where it's due. And so there is potential right now. It's probably the biggest season we've had in Minnesota football for a long time. There's potential in a lot of ways for them to fill the void that Minnesota or that Michigan is vacating right now. And and look, I think uh, I think this is a big year for you know the current version of Minnesota. Yeah, because sure. it it can a good year in 2021 for the Gophers can I think basically take last year and and for most fans just say okay. COVID year, crazy challenges, just total outlier, flush it, wash it away, doesn't matter. Uh, And feel like the program is still trending where it was a couple of years ago. Um, They've they've got it, you know, when when you bring back a quarterback that has been with the program for several years, when you bring back that experience in offensive line and and a running back that's had that much success, that's a core that you feel you can really build upon. The defense has to step up and do their job, but um, I I think – the the uh, quote unquote matchup in the game of watching Minnesota trying to run the ball against a Buckeye front seven that 
you know, feels they've got a really solid defensive line and a group of linebackers that the Buckeyes sure like, but need to go out and prove it. Um, that that could be the real key matchup to watch in this game. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's it is absolutely. I think it's it's battle one. It's like you know, kind of like thing to watch one. You know, the, if we're talking about providing context for the game, I think if you like to kind of peel back a layer or two, that's probably the, the big one to watch. And then I think what we talked about earlier, it's the Ohio State wide receivers against an unproven secondary, and and whether or not you know the Buckeyes can get the ball to those you know to those playmakers. I just dropped a comment in the uh, comment thread with the link for this article. If you're interested in uh, reading some of the other stuff that we've put in there and, and you can find the other uh, uh, Ohio state offense related one on Buckeyesnow.com as well. Um, but all in all, Brett, I mean, I, you know, look, I think there are some trends here that uh, are worth following. It's obviously tough when you're doing this at the beginning of the year, the nature of college football is that you're going to have a lot of turnover. Um, but both sides have a similar coaching staff to what they did last year. Typically, when you have the same coaching staff in place, you've got generally the same, you know, schematics, um, you know, coaching philosophy, strategy in place. So, you know, to sit here and, and fairly criticize, you know, Minnesota's lack of ability to get in the backfield last year and also criticize the Buckeye secondary uh, from last year. I think those are at least fair, place to, uh, fair places to say, you know, that both teams have spent a lot of time and, and energy focusing on the offseason here. Yeah, I agree. I, I got a, um, saw a couple uh, tweets earlier today about um, from some Minnesota accounts talking about how, you know, all the experience they're bringing back. And I, one of the stats was, you know, um, I think it was the, the every, every guy who made a tackle for Minnesota a season ago is back. And, and how it's like, oh man, look at, look at how good of, you know, the defense is because, you know, all this experience, you know, kind of battlefields experience, so to speak, is coming back. And my first thing is if, if the thing that sh- that tells me is that the class is above those guys were totally terrible. If you're bringing back everybody you made a tackle, the, the junior and senior classes totally stink uh, on, on that side of the ball. Um, but but all that being said, that's still a positive. That's a net positive for Minnesota. So I, I think if you're a Gophers fan, you're probably not watching us. Uh, but if you do, please keep watching. We, we love to talk about you. Um, the, I think you're optimistic, and I think you and I think that's absolutely massive. And and in this game for Ohio State fans, that's something to keep an eye on because it's it's sheer house money confidence with this fan base right now, and it's never been like that before. And I think that's awesome to see. We've got a ton of content planned here to uh, not only cover the game but lead up to it tomorrow. Uh, and and break down what we learned uh, coming up in the in the days following the game. So please keep it here, BuckeyesNow.com, for uh, everything related to Ohio State football. We'll have predictions put out. We'll have some key matchups, um, some key observations. You, you you know key players you want to keep your eye on coming into the game. Um, we've we've got a lot of video content planned the day of and and uh, obviously the the couple of days post game as well. Uh, we are off and rolling. It's really nice to be talking about real football and, and know that there's a game here in uh, in 48 hours. Fired up and super excited for our season-long prediction race and what that might entail <laughs> when I win it, you know, come first week of December and how that the glory that I will be reaping from my expertise when basically winging it and when it comes to predictions this season is going to be fantastic. I can't wait. I am certainly going to have to cut a clip of you saying that and, and hold you to that. For Bone sure. board material, baby. I'm coming for you, Prescott. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it.
The Brett Hilt brand. I'm Brendan Gulick. We'll see you guys real soon. Buckeyes now. He's going to crush me. He's going to he's going to absolutely kill me this season. It's not even going to be close. Uh, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be great. All right. We'll see you guys soon. Thanks.